Hey folks, it's Jeremy here. Just wanted to remind you that the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. That is your one-stop shop for all things Duckfeed. You can get onto Slack and talk to our community. You can get episodes early. You can suggest things for Gary and Cole to cover on other podcasts. All sorts of goodies at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. As a reminder, uh, this podcast, this will be the last episode of what we're going to call season one of Days of Future Cast. So season two, we're going to basically reboot the show and start covering comic books. Uh, we talk about a little bit about that at the end of this episode. But we're going to be starting with Grant Morrison's new X-Men, which starts around like X-Men 114 or something like that. Uh, but if you Google Grant Morrison's new X-Men, you'll be taken right to it. It's all in Marvel Unlimited. Make sure to read along with the show. And uh, yeah, just watch various social media channels for any new information. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, and we're here to finish our coverage of The Dark Phoenix. We left you talking about uh, sad mom dying, and now yep. we are going to get right back into sad <laughs> into dad dying. dying. <laughs> yep, let's, let's, let's complete the duology. Gary, you uh, famously have a pretty terrible father. Would you attend his funeral? <laughs> would, I, would I what? Would you attend his funeral? Or will oh, you attend boy, his funeral? Oh, boy, what a question. I, yeah. I haven't, yeah. Um, you know, if it happened... No. Okay. No, no, no. Like if, if I got, uh, you know, told, cause that is just going to be, you know, all the stuff in the last episode, like the awkward conversations with people who are still alive. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I could handle like whomstever he shacked up with, like being mad at me for being distant or whatever. Like I am not a, in service of their grief. Um, I don't even know how I'd feel about it. Like, like it, and it but I don't think it would be sad. Like it'd be weird. Yeah. I'd feel very surreal about it, but it's such a such a strange thing. Every once in a while, I think like, oh, you know, I'm going to reach out to that guy, uh, and then I I just don't. Um, generally, it happens if it's like late night. I'm in a real weird mood, and I like start looking to see if he has any internet presence, uh, but he does not. So. <laughs> and then you realize he stole at Gary Butt on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's his internet presence is my internet presence, and now he loves Kojima. No, yeah, no, he's he's actually been subbing in for me on uh, on Abject Suffering for the last couple weeks oh uh, that's why that shit was gone so downhill yeah it's, 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 it's almost entirely about michigan crimes um cole has had a really hard time keeping up the the goofs with that to be honest with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but he's, he's 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 game though he yes ends really really yeah, yeah. well so yeah. like when you know when new gary butterfield is just like you know 
don't you hate it when you you take a big bong hit and then the cops pull you over what the hell like cole is just like yeah absolutely brother <laughs> let me tell you about my driveway uh, and then they just kind of <laughs> i had a guy that just took a bong hit run into my fence last week what about that i'm <laughs> just like oh they found common cause i hope that the cole and my dad never become friends I, I, I <laughs> like really awkward i don't need to be replaced with an older worse scary butterfield <laughs> like usually it goes the opposite like usually you want a younger version but i'm aging out i'm like menudoing out of duck feed my uh i i almost introduced you to my dad when you came down and mm. um i almost brought uh brian wade over there too because my dad is an extremely nice and personable guy he's super funny like he's 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 peak dad and i like legitimately worry that if i introduce my friends to him they're gonna be like oh let me put you on facebook dude your dad is great how do you have such a cool da-? like i'm gonna be like he's not that cool guys he didn't pay his child support okay like- <laughs> that picture that you had of a long time of you and him both of like the guy fieri hats oh yeah Remember? yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, I, that's that's my main exposure to your dad so i think of him as having a lot of guy fieri energy even if he doesn't and that wasn't even a guy fieri hat that was like the lsu coach hair of that year i don't remember the oh coach, gotcha. but yeah that was like a that was a thing yeah oh, i don't even know where that cool. hat is i threw it away much like <laughs> the director of this movie threw away a lot of opportunities to, to much really... like charles threw away raven um so oh I think... Real, real quick before we we get into the actual thing mm-hmm. uh something i missed from the last episode like mm-hmm. i had that moment like after we finished recording where i was like oh i wish i had said this you know what i what i i love about this movie one thing i love is the uh the dark themis uh, dark phoenix theme song like when things are going bad with gene that like mm-hmm. like that thing i think that's great yeah they, uh, um, i think that's a really cool song this this quadrology of movies i think have all had pretty stellar music like Mag- all of magneto's themes yes. from all those movies are super good I, fa- I think i used the dark phoenix theme as the intro for the last episode yeah um, good. yeah so like th- it's all very very good i guess is that this is all john williams right this is the standard uh, this is group. a hans zimmer oh is this yeah. one the other john yeah, usually williams. Not bad. yeah the other john williams the, <laughs> the slightly worse john the less well-known john williams who i generally don't like but i feel like that that dark phoenix theme is really different than his usual stuff like yeah, it's very uh, it's much bolder than than stuff that he usually does. What's uh what's so. Danny Elfman doing nowadays? Is he just what's what's, what's he got going? Is he, is he just on all of the DC movies? Like that seems like a good fit for Danny. Elfman. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, as far as I know, like I don't I don't know that he's he's necessarily doing anything other than like collecting Oingo Boingo royalty checks and and you know not uh, not having sex with Lena Bonham Carter. Definitely not. That, that's a that. that's a Tim Burton. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got but I mean, I see. I mean, Danny Elfman like scored all of his movies, right? So, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What were you gonna say before I cut you off to to talk about that weird theme? I was gonna say I was gonna ask you if we need to uh, like sum up what happened in the beginning of the movie, or if you just want to like people presumably just um, listen to that, or if we could just jump right. Yeah, into it. this is your first episode. Like, like none of this is gonna make sense to you. So I think that you should listen to the last episode and then listen to this one. I think we can avoid summing up. Do you remember when we did that like like announcement like hey we're changing the format of the podcast and we made a bunch of jokes about people uh listening to that episode as their first episode yeah. and yeah. now I've had at least 3 people like reach out and be like this was actually my first episode and I'm like are you oh. fucking serious <laughs> how why like what possessed <laughs> I'm so sorry there's just yeah. a bunch of dumb jokes in there like it just talks we're yeah. talking about talking about the X-Men it's ridiculous yeah it's pretty yeah. weird I mean the, when we get into the comics that'll be a great first episode we keep saying like what's not a good first episode 
Mm-hmm. The next episode of the show will be great. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. For our first 80, episode, like three or four or whatever we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eighty two is going to be going to be awesome. Eighty eighty three is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, but this one, you know, go back. Yes, a little bit. And honestly, this this show, you should go back to the the beginning where we're talking about the animated series because it was real fun. Um, not that the comics won't be fun. Yes. But, no. So um, we we left uh, off so we, uh, with. Uh, Gene's funeral, which gave, gave yes. it, put us on a wild tangent. And it was a tangent so wild that two weeks later, now that we're recording again, uh, we're still tangenting. And we're still talking about funerals. Yeah. Uh, immediately, uh, immediately came up as soon as we got on Skype. Like we had, <laughs> like it hadn't been two weeks. And, uh, and like you and I talk like during this, like, it's not like this has been like the only times we communicate with each other. It just comes no, up no. when we're recording. It's so weird. Like we're friends. We're friends actually. Like it's not just, you know, recording friends. We see each other once every two weeks. So, it's a uh, yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> you and I are just podcasters with benefits. That's what. Yeah, we're <laughs> exactly. We're, I think of all of my duck feed cohorts as coworkers more than anything else. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the uh, we, we go back inside after the funeral. Yes. Um, all the kids, uh, Scott, Kurt, and Storm, come in. Um, the kids say what happened, and uh, Scott says they're going to go help her. You know, and they're like, "Is it true that Gene Gene did this?" And Scott's like, you know, she's still our friend. We have to go help her. But Storm is not on board with this. Later, they go into a room and Storm is like, no, maybe this wasn't an accident. Like, you know, maybe this is actually what Gene is now. And Scott is a true believer and will not go for it. It's not Gene. Exactly. exactly. That's not Gene inside there. And like, kind of has a good point. You know, like it is this weird alien presence Mm -hmm. that's taken over her. I honestly think it's it's weird that either they they buried Gene, excuse me, they buried Raven extremely quickly, like the same day for the little younger kids <laughs> to be asking these questions, yeah. or they just did not communicate anything to the little younger kids. Like they were just no, like, yeah, no announcement. Like, yeah. imagine seeing like the the heroes that are the X Men, like these people that you look up to, that you live with and look up to, like all dress in dark suits and walk outside into the rain, and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening right now? <laughs> well, <laughs> also for all the the classes that Mystique taught, they probably just brought in a sub who just said she was Mystique. <laughs> They just put a fucking like they just put a frog on a table. It was like we don't know what to do with her. This is what she does now. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just Quicksilver comes in and he's just like, so I'm Mystique. Yep. I'm going to teach you about revolutionary politics, uh, <laughs> and that's why I'm not in the rest of this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, um, so uh, we go over to Xavier and Hank, like uh, that night. Yes, later that evening, yeah. um, Hank is in the kitchen, just kind of chilling. Uh, Xavier comes in with a bottle of whiskey and is like immediately into that. Like let's, let's kick back a couple and reminisce and tells the story about how he originally met Raven, which was outlined in first class. Like we saw all of those scenes yeah. in the, in that very kitchen, you know, cause this is his parents. Home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, this is, this is great. Like this is my favorite scene in the movie. Me too. Um, and this, this is, I, I think this reads really real on kind of all axes. Like that is a real, like after funeral thing to do. Yep. To like go do this and the way Xavier like I think that uh McAvoy's performance in this is just like awesome like I think he does a really good job in this movie in general but I think in the scene he does a really great job because he is kind of like not dealing with it like this is really you know when you when you ask like how do they get, do the same day funeral like he's probably just got this set up you know he knows that they're gonna have to bury people um you know and it's it's kind of weirdly business as usual if he, if he doesn't he hasn't been paying attention to the first three movies because everybody no, exactly people are gonna die like just put her next to banshee uh you, you know there, there's uh 
<laughs> he set up his tombstone to make that noise whenever anyone walked by, just to remind them. Um, but the uh, he is really kind of casual about this. Like it's it's really interesting. Like he comes in, he's just like, ah, yes, I remember when I first met her. Like it is very kind of business as usual in a way that doesn't read as sociopathic. It reads as like kind of you know self denial. Or even just, uh, just like this is how I'm supposed to be at a funeral. Like this is yes. my funeral yeah, yeah. aspect Playing a part. of myself. And yeah. I think that it, and he comes in doing this, and I think he has no expectation of Hank to do anything but the same no, no, no. exact Other thing. Other than exactly, but, like he's, and and that's how Hank has always been. Like one of the things that I didn't think about uh, until recently about this movie is that, like, oh yeah, I remember that whole movie where Hank just kind of took care of, like, changed Xavier's diapers, basically. Like gave him his his mind heroin that shut off his his brain powers, and he was just like uh, the Big Lebowski for a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like this guy is taking care of him. This is like this weird, almost like servant, and has been for decades. You know, and he of course he doesn't expect any insubordination from him. So it makes this scene like really work, I think. Um, because you know he sits down, he starts telling the story, and then Hank immediately is like, "It's your fault." Uh, and Xavier and I, you know, I love this. Xavier's like, "Excuse me," you know, and he's like, "You heard me." You know, that whole uh, did I stutter thing. Uh, and they basically get get into it. He says, you know, just admit you're wrong. Like, and he, he uh, Hank, the guy who plays uh, Beast in this movie is also a really good performance. Like, there's like a pleading quality to it. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, please just admit you're wrong. Like, just say you're sorry. This is all this is going to take. You know, just show some self-awareness. And Xavier is not having it. Yeah, and you can tell that like Xavier number one is just like caught flat footed that this is coming from Hank at all, and number two that somebody dare dareth talk to him in this manner, right? Like this is yeah. very much a like wait a minute, like you're not like I'm I'm the I'm the X in X Men, like you can't talk to me this way, and yeah. and kind of is is in disbelief and has that like you know you need to shut this down or whatever, and then Hank like just draws fucking blood and it's like you know we you said that we were protecting these kids from the world when what we should have been doing is protecting them from you. And yeah. And like Xavier is just stunned by that. Like just holy shit. Yeah. And, and even, you know, and, and that I, you know, as much as like I've come off as a soft Xavier apologist during these, both these episodes, I do think that like, I don't know, protecting the kids from Xavier is a little bit overstated. And I think the movie thinks so as well, Mm -hmm. you know, later when it Xavier being a good guy is a major plot point. Um, to this, but it does feel like grief, you know, and, and beast brings up how he's like, Oh, I convinced her to stay. Like she was going to leave. I'm literally the reason she stayed, you know, and that is why she's dead. I know what I did. Why don't you admit what you did? You know, we all have some culpability in this, like basically saying like, Hey, this whole X-Men thing is a responsibility. It's not just this weird, you know, uh, well, that's just how it is. Like, no, it's actually kind of horrible. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it's not a, just a, a thing for you. It's not a platform for you to get famous on either. Like, these yeah, are, we are putting our actual lives at stake, which is that original conversation Raven was trying to have with him at the yeah. beginning of the movie. And yeah, what, what, what a powerful scene this is overall. Just like like everybody raw with grief and just like ready to to like and you know xavier thinking that he's going to reminisce with his good pal hank and they're going to talk about someone that they both yep. really loved and you know that hank rolled around with and got blue with one day which is what you call it when you're beast you get blue with yeah. somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> the, the, you know um yeah it is uh it really makes me think of the um one you know wanting uh a little bit more of that movie that they tease at with it being more about you know charles xavier's like thirst for fame uh but two like it also made me think like, oh, there's no actual real emotions in Apocalypse. 
You know, like this, this movie is, was like roundly trounced, but it's so much better than that movie. Or there was not really like real emotions in Last Stand either. You know, this is, this actually has like a real emotional subtext to it. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it's like super high art or anything, but it it is a little bit, this movie is kind of unfairly shat on, you know, because it does contain stuff like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, This cuts to, we cut to Jean in an alley uh, crying, trying to, you know, it's raining. Uh, she's trying to clean the blood from her shirt, uh, Raven's blood. Um, and, uh, we cut over to the, uh, the crime scene where, uh, Jean had met with her dad. Yes. Where Vuck and, uh, associate, uh, show up. <laughs> Vuck and co. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's Gary Butterfield and the other one. <laughs> and Vuck, yeah. Vuck and, and, and Vuck's friend, uh, show up to quiz the dad to get Jean intelligence. Uh, it still doesn't make a lot of sense because the dad does not know where Jean is. Or this like, has huge deleted scene energy to me, even though I watch deleted scenes and this is not one of them. And like, so. if you're, if you're trying to learn about who she is, which is the way that this is presented, right? Like they're trying to figure yeah. out who Jean is so that they can manipulate her into giving up the Phoenix force. Like her dad doesn't know anything about her. Like her dad, like has not, had literally yeah. never seen her before yesterday. So yep. what I, I didn't really understand this other than like, Oh, like we're just going to kill Jean's dad. Uh, and have the alien do it. And I kind of thought when I originally thought this, I'm like, Oh, like this is what's going to get gene to turn on the eight. Like they're going to brainwash her. And then this is going to come out. Scott's going to be like, no, look, he's going to hold the picture up in the the newspaper article or something. (laughs) Local dad dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. And then she's, and she's going to, you know, basically revert and then like start hating on the alien people. But this is never brought up again, which is super strange to me. Gene being a straight up orphan is not commented upon. It's also, why didn't they make it so, like, the aliens needed to get some of, like, her family DNA to track her? Yeah. You know, like, that would have made a million million times more sense. Man, if I just taste, if I taste her DNA, I can track her across a continent, (laughs) right? Like, Like, you you realize you're just making up these aliens. You can just give them power. Give them any rules that you, this universe is yours. Like, it could do anything. But in, I think that they wanted to have it be an interview so they could have this like interrogation scene where, you know, she's like, you're so much easier to understand when you're not screaming. And I was like, you know, this place is surrounded by cops, right? Like you just pretend to be the FBI to get in. If he just starts screaming because you're twisting his chest and torturing him for information, like the cops are going to come in. We never see any of that. It's this real weird scene that just kind of feels like it's there to kill Gene's dad. It, uh, and you know, it also, like, uh, I didn't think about this before now, but it feels like it was maybe written backwards. Like someone came up with that line and it was like, how do we, yeah. get, how do we get to that line? And like, we can't, totally. ki- we can't kill anybody else in the movie. They're not going to let us kill fucking Cyclops or any. Yeah, like, we can't. exactly. Um, uh, so it's like a deleted to- scene where Jean has a new cell phone okay. and it's from her inheritance. So that, that's what this is about. They need to justify why she had the money to buy a new cell phone. Wait, seriously? No, that's, that's not, no, no, no. Okay, I was no. like, hey, come on, how dumb <laughs> no, no, no. is this fucking thing? I didn't watch the scene, so I didn't. <laughs> no, no, like, no. for a minute, I was like, how dumb did they get with this? Yeah, she's uh, just like, I recently came in with some money and then pulls out an iPhone 10. So we go to this tropical island, um, yeah. and Jean, like, arrives. She just, like, floats. <laughs> and yep. She just, like, starts walking in. And it's very like uh, it, it's very like ag- agrarian island commune kind of vibe to all of this, right? Yeah. Like there's people like doing f- some farming. There's people like building some some shacks out of like basic ass like metals. Prepper. Yeah, yeah. Like feel, there's a shipping container somewhere that somebody has made into a bathroom, right? Like there's totally. somewhere. This is very, very Fallout Three. This is very yeah, this island. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is Fallout Three, like you know Caribbean edition or something like whatever yeah. that whatever that DLC was. Um, Fallout Five in Genosha. <laughs> 
<laughs> give it to me. It uh, actually does kind Genosha, of it does kind of basically. feel like the the first area of uh, Outer Worlds. Now that I'm thinking about it, which is oh, sure. much that vibe. But yeah, this is this is Genosha because after Magneto assisted and destroyed most of Africa, they were like, "Here's an island for yeah. you to hang out on." <laughs> yeah, you get an island, you destroy the pyramids, get an island. Uh, it's a uh, and it, it, the idea. I think that this would have been if they would have done his two movies, we would have seen the background for this. I think that the implication is based on like Charles later saying that they'll take this away. That like this is something Charles negotiated. Yeah, for him, like there need to be this sanctuary. Put this in like the black budget you know give it give him a place give him a little sanctuary and in some ways magneto has always wanted that it's kind of cool to see in the movies like him just having his own little place burn that weird like the the area of the woods they claimed in the last stand um <laughs> this is ours now like the, like yeah. the other guys like this is <laughs> like, the, oh, this okay. is behind a walmart what are you talking about <laughs> this is a public park this is everyone's um, <laughs> yeah. the parish owns this my man <laughs> um so there's a guy with dreadlocks who confronts her who's going to be one of the you know there's always i I never understand why people who make x-men movies never understand that they have like one of the richest stables of minor characters in the world and you don't have to make up dumb shit like just just make this one of the acolytes that exist in the comics and people like me will be happy you don't have to make up dreadlock dude yeah whose whose power we will find out is literally his dreadlocks <laughs> like he can just control his dreadlocks so dumb and this you know, is, is there this guy's from the comics the right like this no is no he looks he's not he he looks like one he looks a little bit like senyaka or something like that from um the acolytes but he's not so i can't remember what his name is in this but i don't think he is a comic book character i thought I, for some reason i thought i'd looked it up and it was but i'm not i don't, I don't i'm not gonna sit here and argue with you it's not a land bird situation yeah. so like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't important um unlike that um dreadlock it does autocomplete to dreadlock guy uh let me just see who is the guy with the dreadlocks in phoenix uh on reddit dreadlock guy uh, doesn't have a name he should be called dreadlocks supposed to be originally reported to be an adaptation of red lotus from the comics but the credits list him as Ariki, so he's an original character for the movie oh, i think cool. he was supposed to be somebody and then they actually changed it dope good job guys uh, good extremely great job yeah good uh you know red lotus which like everybody loves red lotus you know i don't know what that would have been either um, it's really silly and it doesn't, it's not cool. Neither of Mag- Magneto's like brotherhood just keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, you know, like, okay, now he's got a, a nameless psychic who like, I swear to God in the climactic, uh, you know, or not the climactic, the next big action scene just stands. Yep. It's really, really weird. And then dreadlock guy. So absolutely horseshit. Anyway, uh, she's there. Um, dreadlock guy confronts her and then Magneto floats out. It's always a pleasure to see Magneto uh, in this stuff. You know, I think the, the Fastbender's performance is very good mm-hmm. um, here and him kind of being, you know, there's a great part where, um, you know, he asks her about the blood and she ignores it because, you know, you can see her being like, oh shit, like maybe I, you know, he, he cares about this blood. Probably, uh, probably shouldn't tell him about that chick that he used to love that I completely oh. murdered a few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that Xavier yeah. immediately buried and now I'm here. <laughs> The timeline, the timeline doesn't make a lot of sense. So quick. Yeah. So fast. Um, yeah, this, this conversation is a little weird to me because like, uh, Gene and him don't really have, like, they never had a lot of moments in the previous movie, right? Like the only Mm -hmm. time we see them interacting in apocalypse is, I mean, they don't, right? Like they're just fighting at that point. Um, but she goes to him to basically ask like, Hey, how did you stop hurting people? Like you obviously, you know, I have this thing inside me and you obviously had it too. Like, how did you get over it? 
And and he goes through a whole thing about like vengeance was driving him, but then he realized that wouldn't take the pain away no matter what. So eventually he stopped. And <clears throat> yeah, like it it it. And again, I see you highlighted the note, but yeah, like leaving out all of the apocalypse yeah. shit. It's not like, I, oh yeah, uh, this mutant god came along and made me fucking crazy, super powerful, and then I went fucking crazy and killed a bunch of people, and now I live on this island, yeah. so I don't do that anymore. So that that's why I don't do it anymore. Yeah, but he doesn't the, tell um, that. He doesn't say that. He just says like, oh, I used to be full of vengeance, and then I got a farm, basically. So, yeah, basically. Like going to farming. Like basically, he's trying to convince Gene Gray to do what Bill Barry did, to quit doing violence on the drums in R.E.M., Yes. Um, so yeah, go, go start this farm. Um, and there's, there's some good parts in this conversation. Like it is silly, but he's, you know, she starts kind of being cagey. And at one point he's like, I'm not Charles. Like you don't, you know, you don't have to do this. Like I'm not your dad. Like, just talk to me like a person, like you came here for a reason. Um, when he says, uh, he recognizes something's up. He's like, Hey, I really need to know whose blood that is. She starts getting super pissed. Uh, and they do the same trick they just did with her dad where like the screen starts shaking and he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, it's not me. Uh, and it's because the, uh, telepaths say the military is coming. They're landing helicopters on the Island. Um, they're looking for Jean and Eric comes out there and kind of, you know, like Anne Frank, like, you know, hides her from the, from these people. This is, things are weird to me with this uh, military guy because he really, this is like a real featured extra. Like the, he gets a he gets, lot of lines and he, he delivers them with a lot of gusto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was like, he 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 is somebody's nephew or son. Like right, like he's he definitely had a, had an in on this movie. Um, yeah, some kind of in, some kind of nepotism got this guy some real badass lines arguing with Magneto. But he's just this hyper confident. Like it's kind of irritating to me. Like I I really wanted the military to be more scared of Magneto. Mm-hmm. You know, everything you have is made out of metal. Uh, you know, this, he, he just murders people. He blew up Egypt. He tried to kill the president on national TV. Like this was probably the defining point of your childhood was seeing the president hold, you know, Magneto hold Nixon, uh, you know, hostage. And he's just like, listen, we're just here to do a job just like you just give us what we want. You know, he's just really confident and it's irritating to me. Like, <laughs> It's also like, I guess. I'm supposed to assume that the uh, aliens pretending to be the FBI found out Gene was here and then gave this to the military? Or is this a situation where like, oh, all of our bad mutants go live on this island, so Gene is now a bad mutant, so she has to live on this island too? Like, Dude, I have no idea how anyone finds anyone in this movie. <laughs> like, it is, it's it's really dumb. I don't think that they, the that the aliens would send the military after her. You know, because they're just going to straight up find her in, in a second. They're just going to walk into the bar she's at. So, like, I think this is they have the ability to track her. And I'm like, I would love if, like, it showed their satellite image and there's a little little picture of Sophie Turner's face, like, going across the satellite as she flies across the ocean <laughs> to Nosha. <laughs> like, deep, 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 deep. Or something. I don't I don't know how they, they knew this was a thing. Or, I guess, um, okay, so, I mean, maybe the thing here is, like, literally just that, right? Like, maybe they just have cameras trained on Genosha because they are... Sure, the surveillance. They, yeah, they, they're just yeah. surveilling the place and they saw a red-headed woman flown in or like, oh, that's probably our girl. There's only one red-headed yeah. mutant of note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not Siren. We haven't introduced her to the comic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The um and and they could be like you know because they have this thing where Magneto's denying that she's there, but they don't really believe her or believe him. Yeah, you know, and Jean gets sick of this um and blows up one of the helicopters. Like the helicopter sure. blades start uh, going. The guy tells Magneto to stop it. He goes, "It's not me," because it's not me is like the actual. They're trying to change it from "It's not Jean" to "It's not me" mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, That's what you get when you hire out. Shaggy as a director for an X-Men movie. <laughs> Everybody says it wasn't me over and over again. It wasn't Gene. 
limousine. <laughs> um, the uh, so she comes out and she's basically like going to murder them. Uh, cut off their heads with a helicopter blade. At this point, and Magneto has to save them uh, from this, which is which is pretty crazy. Uh, until eventually, you know, she they all get on the helicopter and Magneto just tosses it into the air. Uh, which is really funny because it, it doesn't seem like how helicopters work to me. No, <laughs> like, not at all. A helicopter would be stable after being just like thrown like that. I really, there, there's like a tug of war that happens between Gene and Magneto as Gene is trying to like destroy the helicopter and he's trying to hold it on the ground while more, more soldiers can get on it or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm all about mutant powers. And I'm all about like tussling with the mutant powers or whatever, but this just seems so fucking stupid. It's, I, it's I just so don't like it. Yeah. 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 It's so cheap. It's the same thing that happens with his weird telepath. Um, just standing for that whole fight later. Like I understand showing psychic powers is not easy. You know, but having like a, a telekinetic and a uh, a magnetism person both wrestle over the same metal object and just stand there with their hands out, shaking their hands for this long is really unsatisfying. Yeah. Like there there is a limpness to the action scenes of this um, that, other you know, the, the one where they're trying to get Gene, I think is pretty good. These middle two. So this one and the one uh, on the New York streets are both really limp. And then I think the last one is pretty good again. Yeah. Um, but the action in this movie is real mix at best. Um, so they all leave. Um, and then Magneto yep. kicks Gene out. Um, yep. and then we go back over to Xavier who is, uh, watching the news and like the news is referring to this as a Gene gray incident. Um, yeah. with this, her, the situation where she blew up the street that her dad lived on basically. Yeah. Um, and then he realizes like things are going to get out of control. Like this is an opportunity for the government to start, you know, issuing some armbands. And so he goes to his president phone and his president phone is no longer in service. He can, it yeah. does not work. He calls it. The guy's like, who's this? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this was going to be disconnected. And he's like, no, no, I need to talk to the president. And again, we are just this movie being a little bit confused. Uh, this is exactly what he thought would happen. Like when he's arguing with, uh, with Raven and he's like, all it's going to take is one bad day for them to turn on us again. It's exactly what happened. Like, I think if this, this movie is meant to be a condemnation of Charles Xavier, he should have been wrong, you know, but he wasn't like, it, it's just, it's real weird to me. Like the, you know, the philosophy behind it ends up being very strange to me. Yeah. Um, because they immediately have camps and put them in trucks at the end of the movie. Um, so we pass, we go over to a bar where this old guy is, uh, changing the channels with his mind. Um, and Vuck shows up. Vuck knows that the old guy is Gene. Uh, and Jean is, you know, making herself look like an old guy to everyone and getting drunk. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down yeah. for that. Like, what else are you gonna do, girl? <laughs> like, no, 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 kinda, no, yeah. you have, you yeah. have made enemies of your best friends and family. You have essentially killed your father. Like, you didn't directly do it, yeah, but yeah. you more or less killed your father. And like, now you're gotten kicked out of the mutant cool place that everybody goes when you're a bad. Mutant. Exactly. So, like, yep. I, what else are you gonna do besides go go for a little drink? You, you can live. You can live in the mansion that mutants get to live in, or in the train car that mutants get to live in, or nowhere, <laughs> or nowhere like, at all. Yeah, um, you know. So um, Vuck immediately recognizes that it's Gene. Um, Gene drops the disguise, and then Vuck just starts kind of going in on, uh, like, "Do you want to be a scared little girl that answers to a man in a chair?" And I'm like, you know, I again, and we've we've talked extensively about this, but it's another example of this movie just like not understanding what they're trying to do. I think like there was. There, never really there's is. not a sexism angle to this movie. <laughs> like yeah. it, it is weird. There, there are several lines that refer to one, but it, it's not really. And we talked, I think we talked about this last episode, but, uh, Chastain, Chastain, uh, Jessica Chastain, 
decided to do this movie because it had like a focus on like female characters and stuff. And it makes me think that she read an earlier version of the script easily and then signed on based on it being a little bit more girl powery. Whereas in fact that bears very, very little kind of result in the actual movie. And I just, I just want to say like, there is a sexism angle to this movie, but like, it's just the natural (laughs) sexism that exists in all things because dudes make most things like it's just, but it's not explicitly written for the characters to be sexist towards the other characters. Like that's the thing that I keep coming back to. And yes, 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 yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that is a good clarification. We, I am not saying that superhero movies in general are not sexist or that there isn't a sexist read of this movie. I'm saying that the characters don't act up until characters refer to themselves being the victims of sexism that the movie does not show exactly like the characters themselves even if the actual perspective of the movie like i'm sure that there are all kinds of problems with like gene gray's weird push-up bra and male gaze and all kinds of stuff like that like i'm i guarantee that there are reads of that that i am sympathetic to and i think are good but it doesn't it's not part of the text exactly in terms of like the you know the internal reality of the movie and i know that doesn't really matter in terms of whether a movie is called sexist but it does matter in terms of whether dialogue rings true and and this you doesn't know. like this this whole angle to get to convince Jean to hang out with her just seems like kind of like Jean is struggling with controlling the power inside of her. So like it's not like her telling or Xavier telling her like don't use that power would even work in the first place. Like she hasn't meant to do the things that she's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. In in the actual Dark Phoenix story, Jean likes it. Yeah. Like and and she likes it for a while. Uh, in this, we get Jean feeling pretty good for roughly one half of a party. <laughs> and then and that's the only bit of her being like into her power it's that the we get. last time i bought ecstasy from scott summers yeah. <laughs> i made it myself um it's, it's only gonna last 30 minutes and you're gonna have the worst hangover in your life for four days yeah, exactly to teach you not to use ecstasy. like scott summers making drugs to teach you not to do drugs <laughs> like scott summers running the hell house and the, the mansion in the summer um but the uh so yeah, so the the original Dark Phoenix works because she kind of likes the power and it works as a parable for like female empowerment. This movie doesn't because she is being taken over by an alien force. Like it's a lot more like the one ring or a horcrux or any other mystical thing that makes you evil uh, and makes you do things you don't want to do. It's not, it is not Jean. Like yeah. ultimately Scott is very right. So this temptation thing, it's like, do you want to be pushed around by Professor Xavier? She's never actually that mad. Like she's mad at Xavier for lying to her initially but she's not the actual aspect that like xavier just wants to use her power mm-hmm. is from an earlier draft of the movie where that ties in with him you know sending the x-men to save that space shuttle you know this is this is so drafty this yeah. movie like it feels so like you can fe- see the shadows of every previous movie it was i would love to read like an original script of this i think it would be really interesting i, I would too uh, just to see like what they were going for with it in terms of character and also like how much the business side of things affected this like how much totally how much like oh the specter of disney gobbling up this all of these characters and these properties said like oh now we have to hurry up and do this and we can't spend our time we can't develop this anymore we have to we yeah. have to hang out on it um, people didn't think this would come out like yeah. i was looking mm-hmm. at stuff i was looking for those deleted scenes and saw a bunch of youtubes where people were like why the dark phoenix will never get released you know like comics comment you know commentary things so like yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a troubled production and on kind of all axes. Um, so uh, you know, Vuck says she shouldn't be astra- afraid. 
we we switch over to Scott running down the halls. It is an X Men emergency <laughs> um, to tell Xavier that Hank isn't in class. Teacher, uh, teacher, teacher! Someone's <laughs> doing a bad. Yeah, someone did a spitball. Xavier, like it's so it's so Scott. Like I I love it so much. And Xavier is hungover and sleeping. Uh, and is just like, you know, he's in his room, you know, uh, cause I imagine Scott does this whenever anyone's not on their schedule. Like if somebody skips something on the tour wheel, like yeah. Scott runs in to tell Xavier, um, well, he probably runs to tell Hank cause Hank is probably like, you know, cause Xavier, yeah. Xavier has definitely delegated this, but then he couldn't find Hank to, to go tattle to. So he had to exactly. go. Exactly. He has to go with the chain of command. He goes and references his manual <laughs> to see his up on the chain of command. It's a manual that they specifically wrote just for Scott. And it starts with yeah. like, at, ask yourself, is this really a problem? <laughs> um, so this cuts over. We get to see where Hank is. We cut over to Magneto, the Blackbird landing on uh, Magneto Island, and it's Hank. Uh, he is alone, and Hank wants Magneto to find Jean. Uh, you know, he, you know, Magneto's like she's not here, and uh, I can't remember exactly how it comes up, but he says something about like, well, shouldn't Raven be handling this? And he's like, oh, you don't know. You know, you you didn't hear. Like Raven is dead. Jean killed her, and then he's like, oh, the blood. So. I mean, just to get more on funeral chat, like Xavier, what kind of fucking monster are you that you didn't invite Eric to the funeral? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like the the, the only thing that is also something I thought about too, where I was like, uh, if they had spent more time kind of setting this up, maybe, uh, Magneto can't come on, you know, us soil. Sure. Right. Or something like that. You, even then though, having him there in kind of incognito, like with a you know hat over the brim of his, his face or something would have been a peaceful move. <laughs> or just like, hey, I'm I'm a telepath and I can communicate across the world. Like, hey, your girl yeah. is dead. Like that that chick yeah. that we send him an out email. With a lot. Yeah, yeah. Send him a fucking. It's what 1980 something. Like we had like yeah. basic ass email at this by this point. 90s, like, yeah. Oh yeah, get, get, get on AOL. Yeah, get on go, fuck. go to the go to the AOL in. chat room for Raven's dead and post. Hank, what's my IRQ settings for this ninety six hundred KBBS modem? It's very confusing. Uh, need no Raven, a live status pick. Doss is telling me I need something about called HiMem.sys. What is HiMem.sys? Hank. Hank, what is the ROM checksum? Hank. The, uh, Come to come to Days of Future Cast for your funeral jokes and your DOS jokes, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're all both pushing forty. Um, um, I do like I do like this scene because just actually like just, just again Fastbender being being Magneto is great because as soon as he hears mm-hmm. that Raven is dead and that Gene has killed her, that dude goes fucking dark side like immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's no will I like oh maybe she did nope it's like now we have to fucking murder this child like it just yeah. instantly goes to that and I, I kind of love it like that's kind yeah. of how Magneto is is good into like you you push him just a little bit and then he's super bad. Yeah, he gets he gets it's very easy for him to justify and I think it works really well with this character where like he you know he's trying to be good but it doesn't take very much to topple over his balance. You know. Uh so Gene and Vuck go to what, you know, is our stand-in for the Hellfire Club, basically, uh, in this. Um, and it's this, this very fancy house full of eyes wide shut weirdos. Who, uh, after she leaves, they say in their alien language that they're going to kill her if she can't control it. Super cool. Uh, Vuck, Vuck leads Gene to a holodeck room. Um, and 
uh, she's like, you know, Jean's like, I'm not impressed. This is a hotel room. And she goes, Oh yeah. And then like shows her the cosmos. <laughs> I'm like, Jean, um, you've seen Cerebro. Like this should not be yeah. really anything new. You were in new. space. Yeah. You, <laughs> you literally were floating in space <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is the time scale of Jean? Damn it. You also, you know, I don't know. You also uh, murdered Apocalypse. <laughs> Dog. Yeah. Your yeah. threshold should be pretty high. Like PSVR should do nothing for you. You need to go no. straight to the <laughs> Oculus shit, right? Like, I mean, yeah, goddamn. Like, yeah. And just, I just like, you know, just her being like, Oh, you're just showing me a hotel room. This isn't cool. <laughs> like you, you should know there's something. Yeah. Something going on. There's always on. something when it comes to the X-Men. This can of nuts is just a can of nuts. Oh, there's snakes. You know, just Gene <laughs> surprised by that. Um, so book says that so, like, there's this cosmic force, which Jean has absorbed. Um, she says yeah. that this force destroyed her home world. Um, and she says she wants Jean to harness this power so that, uh, that she can create new worlds and evolve to become the quote, the greatest force in the galaxy. Uh, and basically mm-hmm. like sets this up as like, Oh yeah, we were there. We were tracking the force when we saw it, it, you take possession of it. And now we know that you were basically the chosen one. Um, yep. <clears throat> Yep, yep. Uh, and Jean, again, never before has she been like, yeah, I want to create worlds and universes. Nope. Uh, you know, it's, it, we're, we're recording this and we're preparing for the, you know, phase two days of future cast. So I'm reading the Grant Morrison run of X-Men now. That also de- deals with the Phoenix coming back and is so much better. Yeah. Like the, the, the personification of Jean, the characterization is so good in that. Like, you know, Grant Morrison knows how to write dialogue in a way that reveals character and that sounds very simple, but it's actually something that's really hard in ensemble teams. Yeah. That sounds really hard, people. but like go try to go write your own X-Men story. If like 10 year old Jeremy tried to do totally. It <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> that's not yeah. going to work y'all. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, like I, I had like when I was, uh, you know, in my, even when I was like in my early twenties, like I had, I wrote pitches and stuff because I had these thoughts like, Oh, so I'm going to try to write comics and wrote like pitches for X-Men stories, like little, little spec script things. And it's difficult. Like, if you don't want your characters just to say, like, something that just, like, one sentence that describes their characterization in a crowd scene, you know? Like, actually kind of doing the scene work that Morrison does is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard. I just had, like, Beast just be like, oh, my stars and garters. And I was like, yep, I got Beast dialed. <laughs> That's taken care of. Nailed <laughs> you know? it. I'm going to put ology at the end of three of the words in this sentence, and I'll be good. Yep. I nailed college, cat. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we cut back over to Eric and Hank who were doing the thing that Xavier wanted to do with Hank, which is like sharing a yeah, drink and yeah. kind of reminiscing, which I thought was a kind of a cool like little dichotomy. I have it in my notes that they hear Gene is in New York and I absolutely have no idea how this comes about. Like I don't remember now what, how they find out that she was in New York. It's, it's like either through, I think that the psychic comes in and tells them it's like a news broadcast thing or something. Sure. But again, I don't know why anyone finds anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really this. matter. Um, no. Eric, goes to get his magneto hat because you can't throw away a magneto hat it's it's not nope it's not your dead bombs dildo collection you can't you can't just throw it away yes Um, it cannot toss the uh Um, and i like i love that the music gets like we go right back to that magneto music because he's he's turning bad right he's breaking bad yeah yep yep uh super super good um xavier takes off uh taking off cerebro he's also he was spying on hank and eric so he got however they found it he uh, he overheard it. So if they heard that from the news, that's very funny to me. That's very hilarious. That like, Xavier just... is experiencing the news through reading people's minds or watching the news. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember how how they found out. It might be like a doodad that Beast has or something. Um, so Xavier uh, asked Kurt to take him to New York, but he's like, "No, no, you know, you're just going to drop me off. Like this isn't a mission. Um, you don't have to come." And then Scott goes, "Yeah, you're going to come. Like you're, our friends need us. I'm asking you to do this as a friend." 
um, you know, basically like this is, this is something, this is not an X-Men mission. This is something we're going to do as a friend. And that is, I think supposed to be the framing of this that makes it better than the first time they tried to get Gene back. Yeah. But it's, it's weird because it feels so like, not even prefer, it just feels so like condescending from Xavier to be like, I'm going to go rescue Gene, but I'm not going to take any of you qualified team members <laughs> gotta, <laughs> because somebody pointed out to me that I'm kind of sexist sometimes. Like, I, well, I don't, and it's, <laughs> What are you going to do against Magneto, man? You know he's got yeah. that. Yeah, and like, what are you going to do like against he, like Gene? Period. Like, yeah, stop. exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he's you know he thinks he's going to talk to her, which is ultimately what he does. But like, you know, it would have been very difficult for him to get in without bringing the team. Exactly. I, d- uh, I do like so this they, from Scott's perspective, though, of insisting like, no, she's our friend, she's our family, she's my slam piece. Let's all go get her. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. We all have to go. This is an X Men team up. This is an emergency. Um, they go in the, the, they, uh, they get the blackboard, they go, they land in uh, central park and roll up to, uh, I love Magneto and his crew of weirdos just literally walking up to the house. Yes. Like, I don't know why that's so silly to me, but like, it's, it's extremely in, fucking silly, man. Just in, like, in the outfit. Yeah. <laughs> like they're all got their little, like, not quite uh, like, like they're not in like casual wear. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, he's, it's weird. He's wearing the helmet, but then also just like a pretty stylish coat. <laughs> Like Magneto's outfit in this one is the worst of the ones that, from any of the movies. Well, I mean, they like, had just seen X Men One. Like we're about that. T- we're about in that time period, right? So it's all like they yeah, had just exactly. seen X Men One in the theater, and they were like, "This is dope. They did a good job. Yeah. Let's go. Let's all get leather." <laughs> gotta get. Gotta just uh, wear uh, some dark uh, clothing here. Um. So the uh the uh the Celine the um the lady the psychic he has knows Jean's in the house and they're coming up and then Xavier also with his crew of misfits which includes Nightcrawler. So also very funny, just walking through Central Park, walks up behind him and tries to get him to stop. Uh, and I love Hank here because Hank just runs. Yep. Hank's like, no, no, no I'm going to do this. Um, and I love this as a conflicted thing because Hank knows that, you know, Xavier could probably talk him out of it. Yeah. You know, like, I love that. Like, I don't want to hear you because I know you're probably right. And uh, and Xavier has Xavier's point here is like, if we go in and we, we fight each other here and then we go in and like with the intent of, of violence and deal with gene like this is going to, to completely destroy our ability to maintain peace with with the humans um, yeah and he's going to take your island and he's right like i think he's a 100 yeah. right that like the end at the end of this movie like the government absolutely fucking hates mutants like there's no yeah, yeah. <laughs> xavier is really right in this movie basically tip to tails other than like lying yeah and o- even other than, other than the thing he did to gene and lie about it yeah yeah, even and even the initial thing he did to Jean is like I think fairly understandable for like a little kid. He just should have told her when she was you know thirteen or something. Yeah, for a guy you know, that's a telepath with like no psychology training, like that's a pretty okay. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I, I yeah, can yeah. see why you would think that's a good thing. Like you you probably yeah. did not have any training. So anyway, yep. um, um, so and, and he's runs. doing his basic thing. Like he's do yeah, Hank runs. He's do he's doing the thing he always does, which is try to appeal to Magneto's humanity. And I love Magneto just shuts him down at this point. You know, uh, you know, you're always sorry and there's always a speech, but nobody cares now, you know, which is, which is pretty good. Like it is the idea that like, there is kind of an element of, even though Xavier is always right, like he is not accounting for how people actually experience emotions in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like the time for this, it doesn't matter whether you're right because the time for this mode of kind of, you know, movement or communication is over, you know, that this is too much. These are big, big human emotions. Like they gotta, they gotta go someplace. Yeah, you know, so good good line. And then of course like so. 
Magneto like goes to walk threatening threateningly towards this house that Gina's in, and then Scott <laughs> Summers out of nowhere, earning the the with the one f bomb in a PG thirteen movie, yeah. just like yeah. I, if you hurt her, I will fucking kill you. Like yeah. Scott Summers, <laughs> we've never really seen him lose control in these movies. I don't think like there's never yeah, been yeah. Uh, like we saw when he, we were introduced to Scott, it was through the eyes of like he blew up the school accidentally, basically. But like him losing control via anger, I think is a part of Cyclops. Cyclops' character that we don't see a lot in any of these Mm-mm. adaptations. Um, and that's something that's really, like, from the comics, is I think is really important. Like, I think that's going to be, that's something that's very cool, especially when it comes to Gene, of being like, I will fucking obliterate you with my eye beams, dog. Like, I am not afraid yeah. to do that. I don't care what it's going to cost me in terms of, like, morals or any kind of, like, guilty feelings. Like, I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to save that chick is... Well, Very he changes tons on the comics. Like the, the, there is an element of Scott, like, you know, the comics did really cool stuff with Scott eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's what and I mean. Like, yeah. yeah. For a while, he's a villain. Like Scott is a bad guy for a little while. Like, you know, not a straight up like super villain. Like he's fighting the Avengers. Well, I mean, he did fight the Avengers, yeah. <laughs> but he is, he's kind of arguably not a very good person for a little while. And they actually do some pretty cool work with like his weird uptightness and his, uh, boy scout nature. Um, like kind of the logical conclusion of that being fucked up. And part of it is this, this kind of like these, these ultra principles, you know, that he has, and this is one of them. Like you do not fuck with this person, like this person, is family so much so that it, like he loses control of it. I like it too. Like, I love this, this actual, this interpretation of Scott in this movie. It's a bummer that we're not going to get more of it. Like this guy got to play Scott Summers for, for two movies basically. And, and did not get to do a whole lot. Exactly. So, yeah. I, um, no. And I, and I just like that one of my favorite things about Cyclops going kind of bad in the comics is when they, and I think I've mentioned this before on the cast, so, you know, whatever, but they, um, they bring back like teenage Scott, like the Hank, yeah, the yeah. current age Hank is like, I know what'll fix this team seeing themselves at 16 and they bring back all the 16 year old kids and like 16 <laughs> year old Scott is like, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going yeah. to space and literally just leaves earth because he doesn't want to become yep. that Scott. That's so fucking good to me, man. I love that so much. Anyway. Yep. Yep. So it's time wow. for a fight. Uh, I, and with you, I do not like this fight scene at all. It's, it's very it's confusing. So it's it's very poorly shot. It's it feels like it's very claustrophobic. And I know it's because it's like on a house that faces Central Park, and like those streets aren't very wide or whatever. But like, it still feels extremely claustrophobic for all the stuff that's happening on it. And like even the stuff that's supposed to be grand and big, like Magneto pulling a subway car out from the from the ground to like follow him into this house to prevent people from following him. I it's just. I don't know, man. I've seen that dude lift up a stadium, right? Like yeah, I, I yeah. don't, a, a subway car isn't going to like, you don't always have to go bigger. You just have to go cooler. And it's just, none of this stuff it's really not was cooler. extremely cool. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's like, I know this costs tons of money to do, but it still feels cheap. Yes. To me, um, partly because of like how, you know, the, the people who are on display here, you know, so like Magneto doing that, like that was probably the, the most expensive thing that happened, but Magneto didn't need to do that to block the way in. Like he could have just put some metal in front of the door or held the door closed. You know, it's got metal in it. Like it, it's unnecessary. Um, the fight. So storm fights the guy with the, the dreadlocks. Uh, and that guy again is horrible. It's so dumb looking like his, the power is really dumb. Um, and storm just shoots light. You know, you like know what it, his power is? His power is looking like a white guy that has dreadlocks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the worst look. Yeah, like it's uh, like a, that, I, I'm a Rasta dude because I'm 21 and listen to a Bob Marley album, and like I'm gonna go to the club and like swing my dreads, right? Like that's his superpower. Yeah. That's this dude's superpower, and I feel so bad he, for the poor actor that had to do it. 
I'm just imagining him when they were like green screening in the dreads and stuff. And they're just like, no, 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 whip your head around. No, no more. You know, and, and him having to do this choreography of like just whipping his neck around uh, to do this. It's so dumb because uh, Storm shoots fucking lightning like Storm, you know, again, is talking about missed potential <laughs> in this uh, in this whole, you know, quadrology of these new X-Men movies. <laughs> Storm fucking a does not get a chance to do very much. Uh, in this, at the end of this movie, she cuts loose a little bit. Yeah. But so that's a match. There's this whole, like, absolutely dumb thing between Celine and, um, Nightcrawler where he's just, she's just holding him in place and standing with a knife. And it goes on forever. Like, and when like, you say holding forever. him in place, like, he, she catches him teleporting and somehow, like, yes. doesn't let him fully like appear so he's like trapped in between teleportations basically and yes for some reason like this prevents xavier from doing anything so xavier has to like do a maneuver to let scott like reflect and i do like the like you know physics professor scott summers yeah. like reflecting shit off of mirrors that's all dope but like scott like he has to set that up to hit her and again just a very poor fight scene all along i, I it, i've seen this movie twice now the first time I saw it, I did not understand what was happening with Nightcrawler at all. Like I just like yeah, I had yeah. no fucking clue. And then like the second time, really actively trying to watch it, going like, okay, sure, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. dope. I guess, whatever. Yeah, I really don't like any of this stuff. No, 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 no. It, it's a really, really kind of bad fight. Um, and then Cyclops is fighting Beast, uh, during this, and then like Mag- you know Xavier knocks him out for a second. It's un- incoherent. It's one of the worst action scenes they've done in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, the cooler stuff happens inside, uh, where Magneto comes in and I actually love this scene. Like, I think this is really great. He floats up like he is going to be king shit of fuck mountain. Uh, and just, you know, you know what you did. And Gene is very confident. Um, he pulls up some metal like bits from the stairwell to stab her, but she just easily stops it and then begins crushing his helmet. Um, which I, I just love like, yeah, you know, I'm not just psychic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can, I can take this thing out. Um, and then, you know, tosses him out, uh, there, um, eventually, uh, you know, the, the, the dumb fight outside gets taken care of. So Nightcrawler can teleport, uh, Xavier in. Yes. Xavier gets in and starts trying to talk to, talk to her. And she's like, no, if you want to say that, walk up to my face. And she's like, what? you know, he's confused for a second. And then she starts forcing him to walk, which again, I also love that. Like, it's so brutal. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily make sense for Jean, but she's also being like drunk with this weird alien power and stuff. And actively not her character manipulated is not drunk, by like yeah, she's weird being alien dude, alien person. Um, yeah, I, it's this is horrifying. <laughs> like it's absolutely yeah, it's, horrifying. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, the, yeah. Man, it's, it's I, I just dark. and it's it's played so well. Like McAvoy looks like he's genuinely in pain, and like it just looks so fucking horrible. And he's like begging her to make her to 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 stop, and she refuses to do so. And it's all the while this is happening, like the the matter of the room behind her starts like kind of like um adventures <laughs> united we stand disappearing right like it's all becoming kind of yeah, wispy yeah. and it's it's it, it's just like it's that effect <laughs> in the background i said united we i don't stand. feel so good mr wall yeah yeah I don't, <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't feel so good mr door <laughs> <laughs> but then they're gonna kind of come back five years later and how old yeah. are the doors anyway <laughs> Um, it's out of fashion now it's so out of fashion. The, the doors from the late 90s beat oh. into the early 2000s venetian <laughs> blinds get the fuck out of here nobody uses everyone's, those anymore. everyone's got shag carpeting what is this gross <laughs> wainscoting what where did this come from five years ago five years ago after the blip 
Um, <laughs> is this ornate ceiling molding? Get the fuck out uh, of Aven- here. Avengers Infinity War for inanimate objects is like pretty good, Jeremy. I, I, like, I know it's extremely dumb, but it's making me laugh. Like, I, I, I'm kind of into it. My license is not expired anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Everybody got their girlfriend back, but all I have is this Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, oh man, just all the old VHS tapes appeared in your library again. <laughs> just like, just uh, you know, Scott Lang, just being like, "Yes, you know, I did th- it." Like, you know, <laughs> just like Captain America is just like, listen, you know, my my, my copy of uh, What a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is gone on VHS. And he's like, I think I know a way we can get him back. Uh, <laughs> go through that whole thing. And then Tony comes uh, in like, just points him to a torrent site. Like, you could get four different copies right here. The, uh, oh, Jesus. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, um, so, yeah, she's, so, yeah, so she, he, she, he she walks up the stairs. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks really painful. It's really great uh, to me. And she uh, is, he's trying to talk to her. It's not getting through at all. And his face is like starting to melt, like uh, happened to, you know, uh, uh, Wolverine when he was dying at the end of last stand, like mm-hmm. being this close to the Phoenix force is not good for you if you can't regenerate. Um, and eventually he just says like, no, just read my mind. You know, like I, I'm not going to try to talk to you anymore. Just look into my heart. You know, I can't get this across in words. Um, and he, she, he opens up and she reads his entire history with her. Um, and basically it shows us a lot of scenes earlier that were, were shown kind of to be a little bit arguably hinky with him, but it's actually showing him in a much more positive light where like, no, her, her dad was going to just like literally abandon her, you know? So, and, and Xavier like saved her life, like gave her a place to live, took her in when no one else would, um, you know, him sticking up for him, him saying that she's not broken, et cetera. Exactly. And like kind of positioning Xavier as like like you said, just a little bit more of a, a positive role model as opposed to, or a positive person in her life as opposed to her father who was extremely, just wanted to get, get fucking rid of her. And this works. Like, she kind of has this moment of where she's like, hey, okay, all right. And then Vuck chimes in and is like, hey, he showed you his past. Like, follow me to your future. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and she's like, no. Like, you know, she's basically Jean now. Um, but she starts sucking out, Vuck starts sucking out the Phoenix Force at this point. Um, cause the military is showing up outside. I like and, the way that uh, this is, this is positioned when, when she says like, no, I don't, I don't want this power. Like that's what yeah. Vuck has wanted. She's like, Hey, give that to me. Like she doesn't even start sucking it out of her. She's like, you can just give oh, me yeah, a Phoenix right. force, which I think is uh, kind of a cool thing. Now she does like, eventually she's going to be like, actually, no, I don't want this. And she's going to keep going. But like at the beginning, yeah. like she's going to kill her. Yeah. She actually convinces yeah. Vuck to, she convinces Jean to like give her the power, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And the, the, uh, so everyone outside is getting zapped by the military. Yes. Um, and getting taken. Um, and Vuck is, I like this note. Vuck is taking more CGI from Gene. Uh, <laughs> it's basically what's happening. <laughs> CGI is getting sucked out of Gene. Um, and, uh, they're going to kill them. Uh, Gene is trying to get, uh, or Xavier is trying to get Gene to let go so she doesn't die. Uh, but the military come in and save everybody, basically. Like, come in and put a stop to this. So even though the military is evil, like, you know, Gene would have died if they didn't come in. Well, Scott, Scott is the, is the hero of this one. Like, he, Oh, you're he, right. Yeah. He, bla- you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he manages to finally get inside and sees what's going on and just no hesitation. Uh, and then blast Vuck like through the, through the roof. And you're she right. Yeah, flying. Yeah. yeah. 
I forgot about that because then the mil- then the military come in, yes, and zap everybody. And then like, they, Xavier's like, "Wait!" And they don't they don't return his calls anymore. Basically, yeah, yeah. His so. his president phone line has been canceled. Um, yeah, much like my dad's AOL account when he left the house. <laughs> boom, boom, boom! <laughs> Nailed you. Um, um, <laughs> so the cops or the the military puts on collars, puts everybody in collars, um, and yep. then it's this is a weird moment because like we go from this kind of messy fight scene to what should feels like it should be the climax of the movie where these, all of these things have come together. And then it's like, Oh, now we're a different movie. Like now all of the mutants are chained up. We're all on the same side. And Xavier is like, you know what? I was totally wrong. Hank, my bad. Raven was a hundred percent right. It took me wearing this collar. I now don't have my telekinetic ability anymore. Telepathic ability anymore to figure that out. Like, sorry guys. Could have fixed a lot of this without being in the back of a military van collared like a fucking slave child. But here we are. (laughs) It's, it's very strange. Like this is the actual climax of the movie. The last big action scene, definitely some draft work stuff going on. And it's just so shitty. And this is like, once this turns into an action scene, it's all right. You know, it, it reads just fine. Um, I, lo- I love this thing. Uh, you know, so he admits that Raven is right. I love everyone getting uh, collared up because Nightcrawler's uh, cell has a very specific specific little collar for his tail. Yep. Super good. Um, and the uh, the guy who uh, who knew him, uh, who like was seeing the guy next to his kid who was dressed up as Nightcrawler when they got off the plane after they saved the astronauts is one of the guards there. And he's like, you know, my, my kid loved you. This is a shame. He just looks, you know, ashamed because he's a good boy. Did um I didn't pay attention to the dreadlock man. Did they have specific little handcuffs for each one of his dreads? Yeah, or? Amazing. <laughs> they should do that with real life white dudes with dreads. Like every one of them should go to hair jail. Absolutely. Like, Straight to hair jail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was just one dreadlock officer. I'm sorry, sir. This is a zero <laughs> tolerance zone. Uh, oh shit. Um the Jean is on like a totally different platform though. Like they've got her on a yeah. fucking cross that's laid out, um, which seems a little extreme to me, but also <laughs> she's, you know, super powered right now. So, yeah. um, yeah, she's the, the one of the Jean gray incident. They, they go uh, through a tunnel, uh, cause they are officially on a train. Like they were going to train in New York. They go through a tunnel and that's where it's revealed that all of these, Alien dudes, there's not just like 10 eyes wide shut looking motherfuckers. There's like 45 J crew or 4,500 J crew looking motherfuckers <laughs> just waiting. I, I really want superhero movies to figure out how to have an ending without just like a big army of guys to kill. Man, you it, know, like for, for it's, for all of its faults, like apocalypse did that, like that felt like a big team versus team fight mm-hmm. at the end. But like traditional superhero movies always have this like cannon fodder thing and it's kind of a bummer like the fact like oh there's just all these scroll there's billion scrolls and it's you know it, 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 it's just like all of none of them have characteristics like again like yeah. uh, when i say j crew like i meant like you know they look like any fucking dude wearing a i don't like a like a i, I can't even come like just some generic yeah. ass like high school looking dude whose mom dressed him this morning like just yeah. the, the most basic bullshit in the world they're very boring they all come out to attack. They can take some bullets, but not all bullets. So like high caliber stuff seems to really hurt them. But then also it yep. does it sometimes. Like it's just like they they don't have cool powers. Like it would make sense. Yeah. Like Vuk has like, yeah, I can transform matter kind of powers. And that's super cool. Like, and we're going to get that eventually. Like once, you know, we shoot enough bullets and shoot enough guys, like Vuk comes in and like kind of handles the situation, which is pretty cool looking. But before that, it's just a bunch of cops shooting a bunch of, a bunch of military cops shooting a bunch of like randos. And it's not very cool. Yeah, yeah, just T-1000s. You know, basically their bodies just reform. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Know? 
um, at this point. Um, so they, they, they break into the mutant ca- cabin. The mutants are being like, let us free, you know, let us out. Um, lots of bullets come out. Um, eventually the guy who is the, the father of Nightcrawler's fan lets the mutants go. So then we get our actual fight. Um, Hank is going like a- absolutely apeshit, you know, and gets really violent. I always like when they show beast in action because they don't, you know, even the comics, they don't always show, uh, mm-hmm. beast, you know, being competent at fighting. Um, Xavier tells Scott to get me to Jean so I can, you know, I can protect her because they're going to be going for her. Um, Storm flies above the screen and, or above the train and zaps everybody with lightning. Um, just, you know, dozens of dudes. Yeah. There's also a lot of stuff with helicopters showing up and then the, uh, the J crew guys like tossing bits of metal and destroying helicopters. <laughs> like a lot of features extras, like a lot of like close-ups on a dude's face as he throws a piece of metal at a helicopter. I was, when, uh, when this movie first came out, I was curious about its reception. So I listened to the Jay and miles episode on it. And that was a comment mm. that miles had made. It's like the, the person that he feels sorry for the most in this movie is just the helicopters. Cause so many yeah. helicopters die. <laughs> yeah. Getting blown. yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a strong anti-helicopter bias. This movie. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. no uncharted game, right? But like, it's close. No, no, no. It's up there. Yeah. Um, so Air, uh, Magneto's crew is also fighting so we have to see Dreadlock Man and Celine uh, you know get into fights they're getting pulled out everyone's like, kind of helping each other out mm-hmm. uh, teaming and they're just they're killing people like uh, at some point um, you know Kurt uh, tries to help out uh, that cop that uh, you know is the father of the son that likes him um, and the cop dies and Kurt goes crazy um, and like snaps someone's neck with his tail which I did not know he could do that uh, the uh, I'm you know I'm, I'm really torn about this uh Kurt thing because up till now he's been such a good goofy boy and yeah I, I understand like this is probably the first time he's ever had like a, a a power inhibitor collar on his neck and but at the same time presumably his backstory is the same where he was in the circus and all these other things I don't know if they've directly mentioned that in this particular storyline but I him turns turning into a raging killing machine all of a sudden is so weird like has he been practicing like the, all of these knife moves in the danger zone in the danger yeah. danger zone Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> highway to the danger room <laughs> yeah i like highway to the danger room that's really good um, if we ever commission someone to cover a song that should be what it does that'd be a good one they just need to push him further right like so like the idea i think being is that he's willing to do this now because uh you know again uh a victim of this not being two movies what if in the first movie, when they were doing this rise of the X-Men stuff, like Kurt was real into it, you know, like he's always been a shy kid. He's never been accepted. He's always been treated like a freak. And now he gets to walk around outside and he's like really happy about it, you know, and he's like has fans and has friends for the first time in his life. And now this has all been taken away and he's put on a, a military truck like, you know, maybe in an earlier draft or something, uh, you know, Xavier is like, all it's going to take is one, you know one bad day for them to take away all our powers. And Kurt's like, no, I don't believe that. I think that they would still, you know, have faith in us. I have faith that this will actually be, you know, good. And then that's ruined, you know, like there, there, there is road that I can imagine that would lead up to this, but I agree with you that they don't do. Yeah. Um, I, I do like him teleporting a guy up into, in front of the train, just because I like creative uses of powers. 100%. I don't know about the, the, the lector smile he does, which is a good note uh, that you got here because it's basically what he does. But just him, and they're also just aliens. You know, they're shitty aliens. Like sure. he's not yeah. just murdering people. But, but it is the glee is weird. But he also does not know that they're shitty aliens. Like, like nobody yeah. knows that they're from outer space except for Gene. And they, these could just be like weird mutant cousins, right? Like these could be the fucking totally. Morlocks for all he knows. Like <laughs> <laughs> he just killed fucking Table Boy, Gary. That's what he did. No. no. <laughs> 
<laughs> just imagining Table Boy getting riddled with bullets and then smiling and shrugging it off. <laughs> or, or just looking really yeah. sad the whole time. Just like, oh, I, usually, oh. I just bought, I just got this shirt from the local dumpster. Put me together with instructions from Ikea. Um, um, Magneto gets plenty of opportunity to show off that he's a complete badass during this. Uh, all yep. of the Magneto stuff is super, super good. Um, yep. Vuk Vuk yep, yep. shows up. Uh, Storm hits her with a bunch of lightning, but she catches it and blasts Storm out of it. Um, I forget what happened. <laughs> like she's kind of for the rest of this. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she's fallen down. Somebody does use her name. Uh, at one point, Magneto goes, "Storm, help Hank." So that's she gets Ooh, named. Good job. Name. Good job. Um, helicopter gets taken down. The um, Kurt tries to do his teleport trick on Vuk, but it doesn't. It doesn't work. Vuk is too strong. Mm-hmm. She's continuing to walk towards Jean. Uh, comes into Magneto, and then Magneto pulls all of the weapons. Uh, he's in the weapons car. Uh, I think this is rad. I do too. Um, yeah, I've you know, wanted to see this. I think this is cool. Uh, shoots her a bunch, but she just kind of calmly walks forward. Um, in a way, like again, looks pretty cool. Like she's very powerful. Yeah, the the special effects work here is really cool because it almost looks like she's like the ring girl for a minute. Like the way she's walking, what she's being getting yeah. like, hammered with so many bullets at one time. She, like the whole thing is stuttering. It's really cool. Looking. Yeah, I like this a lot. Yep. Um, and Jean starts to wake up. And Xavier talks to her, um, and it's like, you know, she's a little girl at this point. They're in the psychic skate. Um, and she's like, where are we? Are we in your mind? He's like, well, you know, or he asks, where are we? And he's like, well, we're in, are we in my mind? He's like, yeah, it's more peaceful than, than mine right now. Mm-hmm. Cause her, her brain is kind of broken. She's had this energy force sucked out of her and she's having a really rough time. Um, and he basically just apologizes, uh, you know, and that's been the big thing he needed to do the whole movie could avoid this whole, this whole problem. Could avoid this whole um, train situation. Charles. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> Jesus. You know, uh, so we're seeing at this happens, you know, the mutants are losing, uh, losing the fight with the, uh, with the J crews because they're just, you know, basically invincible. They regenerate. They're getting closer and closer. Um, she ends up forgiving Charles, uh, and Vuck gets past Magneto at yes. this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyclops tries to stop her, but she, he gets blasted by his own blast. And then Jean wakes up. Um, and she says like, you know, I know what I need to do protect my family uh and then here where this is the weird like this movie has like a uh like that that was the we've ended the part where there's tension like this is all entirely like the part in half-life 2 where you get the super gravity gun mm-hmm. you know like this is basically the victory lap you know now that gene is fully on the side of good and fully awake i do like there's a there's a certain symbolism here maybe not symbolism but like a certain connection here with her basically lifting this entire train track train off the train like and the original car accident where like very specifically she wraps her family in all of the telekinetic bubbles bubbles that saved her but not her mom and dad and i i like i like that like kind of connection back to her beginning all of this but yeah you're right and like i don't particularly care about the rest of this movie (laughs) like i just it's 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 just like okay yeah let's 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 let gene be phoenix and be cool for a little while and see how that works out and it's what ends up happening, like this train crashes, everybody's okay. More J crew dudes like show up and start like running towards her one by one, sometimes two by two. And she just like dissolves them as they get close. And it's, yeah, it's cool, I guess. But like, there's, I don't know, man. Like I like, again, like nobody cares about these J crew guys. Like it just doesn't fucking matter. Imagine, imagine like, I think that the idea here is that this is supposed to be a really big catharsis moment. Mm -hmm. And you'd feel a lot more of that if, the tracks have been laid better on the way up to this point. Like if we had, you know, believed more in, uh, Jean's suffering, if we believed more in like Jean's guilt, you know, for this kind of thing and really just her animosity with these aliens, like, 
know, the aliens are really fucked up, but I think this needed a little bit of like dialogue or a little bit of more downtime of her reckoning with what had actually been done to her, you know? Like really, instead of this being a temptation or being representative of anything in Jean, Jean is just a victim here. This is thing that happened to Jean. And and her realizing, like, hey, this is a thing that happened to me and wanting revenge is something I'm down for. It just up until this point the movie is pretty confused. Yeah. Um, I like watching, you know, full Phoenix Force. Like I'm always a big fan of Jean Grey, like being absolutely terrifying, you know, and, and being by far, you know, the most powerful X-Men, hands down. Um and so I so I'm I'm kinda here for her just like this all the stuff where all of her friends, the assorted X-Men and Brotherhood, couldn't take these guys out and she's doing it effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Like pretty into that. Um she gets stabbed in the back and you think that's gonna be it for her, but she just kind of undoes it. Um, cause your, her power of telekinesis and like molecular telekinesis is so powerful at this point. Um, Vuck runs up and grabs her by the throat and they start sucking each other's CG, CGI off. Um, and at some point Vuck is like, um, you know, I'm going to take it. And then she's like, Oh, do you want it? Like you can have it. Um, you know, because she, uh, she unleashes the, uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, the, so I got the, the sequencing wrong. She starts just shooting Vuck with the power, mm-hmm. uh, but it starts dissolving everybody around her. Yeah, specifically Scott, who is the closest one to her. And like she yeah. realizes that she's about to hurt Scott. And of course, that's a callback to earlier in the movie where she lost control of her power. And then the next time she saw Scott, like she was so mad at herself for hurting him. Um, yeah. And we had a callback to the last stand where she kills Scott off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Two minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a callback yeah, yeah. to. No, I'm kidding. I mean, you know, you know that like uh, the director and writer of this is the same guy who wrote that, right? I did know that. Yeah, yeah. I think I had yeah, yeah. I had forgotten about it during this conversation, but I remember coming when this yeah. was coming out. I was like, oh, really? Wow. Okay. So you're just going They're giving him another shot at it. How yeah, weird is that? So fucking you know? weird, man. Yeah. Yeah. And probably like totally undeserved, right? Like I'm sure that there was yeah, a yeah. lot of studio interference with this, but like you you gave that dude a, a t- like. There's infinite amount of people that could probably do this that are not totally. that same guy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, um, specifically the big thing that gets said here is, uh, Vuk realizing that she can't, that Jean can't unleash her full power says, you know, your emotions are making you weak. And Jean grabs Vuk, lifts her all the way into space and says, yeah. like, you're wrong. My emotions make me strong. Uh, yep. I wish I realized that you're, like, this is the <laughs> whole thing with Phoenix force and with dark Phoenix and with Jean. And it's all about these yeah. emotions. I think the, the what movie, if the movie was about that? Yeah. The movie has done a piss poor job of, of getting yeah. you to this, like seriously, like big line. Like my emotions make yep. me strong. Like we barely seen you emote girl. You cried in an alley, right? Like, yeah. like that's been basically it. And, I, and I'm sure it's because they're squashing these movies together. We don't get to see the transition from gene to Phoenix to dark Phoenix. I mean, that happens in over like a 15 minute time span in the movie. Like we, we need that to be a lot longer for this to really resonate, but it feels very, yeah. very cheap and unearned here. Totally. It's, it's not what the movie's about. It's, it has like a theme statement, like the cadence of a statement of theme, but it's not, it's not the theme of the movie that's surrounding it. So it stands out. It's, it's not very, it's not very good. Uh, um, she destroys Vuck, uh, yes. becomes the Phoenix in the sky. Um, there's a huge explosion. Um, you know, that's, and that's Jean. Jean has blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course she'll come back because she's the Phoenix, but no, nobody knows that at this point. And she's definitely, um, definitely not going to come back in this series. So see you later. Yeah, Sophie Turner. No, Sophie she's she's going to come back played by a different actress. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Madeline Pryor effect, um, has happened. And Scott is just, of course, devastated Yes, by this, you know, the, the self-sacrifice. Um, and then we cut to our, our coda. Like it, it's the end of the movie. Um, Scott goes to the school gates and puts up the new sign. It's now the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters. 
Um, which is a little strange. Like she was a student, not a teacher or anything in this world. Like when they, then they renamed the school after her in the, uh, in the comics, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Cause she'd been there, been there since the beginning. And this one, she's been there for two movies. Yeah. And I'm surprised. I, Yo, I mean, fuck I, you, Raven. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like Raven dies. We don't get a you know, name shit. You would think this would be the Raven Darkholm <laughs> school yeah, of there's forgiveness. There's a youngsters. named after Mystique. Wow. The, yeah. The Jesus grounds. Christ. It's the Raven Darkholm girls lavatory on the second floor. <laughs> 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 there's just like there's like a like a, a bench named after banshee i was just the, about to say the banshee the, the, bench <laughs> the banshee bench the alex summers memorial sink you know <laughs> oh man yeah. um yeah that doesn't make a lot of sense to name the school i get it yeah. but it doesn't make a yeah. lot of sense um yeah. also like just with the way that the time works in this movie like this had to happen the next day and i'm glad that xavier already had like that sign printed and everything I just, <laughs> <laughs> he just knew, he knew what's he's happen. got one for all of his students like that's why it's not the raven thing is because there's an air it actually said the like the raven or something like that yeah <laughs> they, they, they transposed um, um, we go inside the school and we see like the typical like Xavier or I guess Jean Grey school thing where all of the kids are running around between classes like they're using their mutant powers. There's a Kitty Pride here mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. you, can't, you have to say there's a Kitty Pride because they do that <laughs> the same trick <laughs> in every fucking movie that she's not in. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. And then it goes to the headmaster's office where we see Hank has taken over the school and he has what has to be the worst picture <laughs> of raven on his desk like jesus christ like what you can't find anything on her facebook that that wasn't this like man yeah it's a real trading card kind of thing Oof. uh over this there's a narration it's the narration from the uh the beginning of the movie from gene uh you know saying how she's evolved kind of you know all of her stuff about evolution like what we are what we choose to be etc um we switch over to kind of nice parody with the old patrick stewart movies where uh charles is in paris to meet eric eric shows up uh and batters him into a chess game uh, and basically. then they they kiss tenderly with one another and the yep, movie ends. finally finally um this there's actually i watched the deleted scenes one of them was an alternate ending uh, of the movie which is just charles uh quitting the school so they never do the uh, chess thing or anything it's just him it's different narration from gene and then him like packing up all his stuff and and driving away uh from the school this is probably better um and then uh the camera pans up and we see the phoenix flying in the background so gene is having space adventures yeah like that's so. uh, i'll be honest the, the the phoenix force just like chilling out in the northern hemisphere is just really fucking lame to me <laughs> like yeah, yeah you are a cosmic force of destruction and creation like why are you hanging out w- with the aurora borealis right now like what are you doing <laughs> are you guys are you guys related like what's happening right now Setcom gene online. Yeah. Uh, I am um, this, the Charles and Eric thing too. Like it, it feels like it's, it feels very, I think weighty and momentous because of the, the way that these actors portray these guys. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like, like, like the last time that they, presumably the last time they saw each other was Gene's funeral. Maybe. I don't know if he, I don't know if Eric got the invite, but, um, <laughs> but it was, you know, Magneto on his way to kill Charles's student and yeah. like kind of adopted daughter. And now it's like, once again, like you killed all those people in Africa, you killed all those other people in, in Germany. Sure, dude, come hang out and play chess with me. Let's get yeah. a scone. Like what the fuck? Yeah, chess heals all wounds. Yeah, uh, like, wounds. and I know yeah. this is like the eternal like back and forth. They're best friends and mortal enemies and all of that stuff. But like at a certain point, Charles, like 
cut cut the toxic people out of your life, my man. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I just, at some point, trust somebody when they tell you who they are. Yeah. You know, you got to believe them or make out with them. Yeah. It has to be one or the other for me. Yeah. <laughs> if, if if you're not getting that good good sex, like what are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Um. You know, I think this was just there because it's such a trope. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. basically, like just the like them playing chess. It like. And they, you know, at some point they had to think that this might be their last movie. So it ending on that, like, makes a kind of sense. It ends up being a little frustrating and sloppy where, like, you know, again, the kind of the watchword for this movie is mispotential. You know, and, and it's not like there wasn't mispotential in Apocalypse, right? Like, that is also a movie about mispotential. This movie gets closer to it and has more little windows of that potential sticking out, I think. You know, so this ends up being frustrating that it ends this way, but... yeah. You know, it's, it's on a big pile of frustrations, but not like abject failures. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, it's not. It's not like the worst thing that's in this movie by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I, I just I, when I when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's cute, that's fine. And then I was thinking about it kind of critically watching it the second time and just going like, what the fuck, man? Like what what the fuck? Um, yeah. And you're right. I agree. Yeah. This movie is just a huge pile of wasted potential. Like I feel like there's yeah. a there's obviously a good story here. Because the Dark Phoenix is an amazing story, like they, and it has been adapted so many times, and it's been and the comics keep going back to it so many times because it is so good. Chris Claremont fucking nailed it. I it just I just wish this movie had done a better job, just like I wish the Last Stand had done a better job. I remember finishing yeah, yeah. I remember finishing that podcast with the same kind of thing of like, man, this could be so good, and it wasn't. Well, you know the thing the thing that's ultimately frustrating about this, and like, if it's ever gonna. You know, let's say we're still doing this show in eight years when the new movies, you know, get to their their crack at the the Dark Phoenix or whatever. Like, I just want one of them to take a a stab at a direct adaptation. Like, what if you adapted the story? You know, what if you what if you made the things that happen in the comic happen on the the movie? <laughs> no, I mean, what a fucking concept! You like, can't imagine this. Like, <laughs> I know that they're like the Shi'ar and shit, but you don't have to like this. You know, the reason why the Shi'ar are weird in the movies is because like they're, they're all just superheroes. Like you just had to believe that there's like, Oh, there's super guardian and all these people yeah. just make them like a race of warriors or whatever, you know, like substitute, like have, this is the guard and just have them be guards with, you know, with one super guardian, but, but not you know, as what, guardians, <laughs> just guardians, no, 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 just regular guardians, <laughs> the, um, which, you know, with just them. And, and you just do the things that happen to that, like make it about Jean, make her tempted by the power, make her flirt with being really non heroic for a little while. And, you know, if, if it were me, if I were designing the shit, start seeding that from movie one, yes. like whenever the X-Men start coming out, the Jean Grey that's in that has a little bit like throw in some like really subtle Phoenix shit and have her be into it. Like fun Jean Grey, not serious Jean Grey and make the audience like it along with her. Like make the audience like really satisfied, you know, the moment where the Hulk like beats the shit out of Loki, mm-hmm. you know, and how that's like a really satisfying moment as an audience. Give Jean Grey that moment, but she has to use the Phoenix force for it. So later, two movies later, you know, that is when the Phoenix Force turns bad and is kind of a problem. It's been growing for like over a longer period of time than 90 minutes. Yes. You know, and uh, that is the and then have the things that happened in the fucking comic. You know, do why not have the Hellfire Club? Like, what is what is so much cooler about Vuck and her coterie of J. Crew idiots <laughs> that you don't get with the fucking uh, mastermind and the um, 
you know sebastian shaw like and, i know you the, already did and, sebastian and shaw, the white but... and the white queen like this I yeah, mean, yeah. the white queen was ruined in this movie but like i mean like there's there's a aspect to that whole like weird bondage scene that is extremely fascinating and curious yeah, and like yeah. there's a there's the idea of gene being like tempted by this this world of kind of yep. you know luxury and and sexiness that like she wants to become darker like she likes this all yep. of that stuff Tied. like rings really, really true and just does not exist at all in the movie adaptations. And it's yep. really frustrating. Tie it in with Scott stuff, like start yeah. their relationship, have it be good and then have her be like a little bit bored, you know, by, by Scott kind of holding her back because she wants to be, you know, fully liberated. Like that is the story, you know, like do the story. <laughs> uh, and it, it just, it's so crazy that like no one's even can gotten close to it. This guy took two cracks and actually doing the story from the con- like, Thing close to the comics was not even on his radar. Like, oh no, 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 that wouldn't work. Like, we have to do and who you know, movies are complicated. Like, I have no idea who's responsible for that. It's possible he pitched something like that, or if he did pitch something like that, it wouldn't get made. So I kind of get it, but at the same time, like, if I'm just wishing, you know, whenever they do this next franchise and we see another big screen Dark Phoenix, because of course we will, right? There will be, you know, superhero movies I don't think are going away. Um, you know, I don't think X-Men movies will go away. It's still a big property. Um, somebody will make a make another crack at it and eventually they'll get reborn and eventually they'll try another phoenix thing i just hope that somebody actually tries to do a straight-up adaptation or like a, a much closer adaptation me too would like to see it i, I could I, I would love to see it and i and yeah. we talk about it almost every episode but like it's so curious how the they're going to integrate x-men into the mcu like i'm oh yeah and it's we're in such a weird place right now because like the eternals is coming out with the mcu but like there's really no big movies in the mcu that yeah, we're, like pre- excited we're between for. things yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's we're between phases or whatever super strange place to be so, so all those movies are going to start or all those tv shows are going to start launching and then like there's that doctor strange movie they announced but nothing other than the eternals is actually on like the docket and fucking so Disney, they're taking man. a big break they're releasing yeah. you know mountains worth of content at five dollars a month and i'm looking at my patreon going like am i charging too much for my podcast <laughs> 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 fuck disney come on you're making it hard for the working class out here <laughs> <laughs> well that that's disney for you yeah, that's true. their whole thing but uh, yeah yeah I'm, i'll be curious to see what they do i'm patient yeah me for too. it you yeah. know uh and it's a i think this kind of break is kind of a good idea like i'm still gonna be there for it i think there's been some like discussion whether like the mcu will survive taking this break you know basically and i think it will like i don't think they're going anywhere um all of those I, questions I are, are totally moot to me because like and i, I know like the discourse around Martin Scorsese and our Marvel movies, oh, movies and all that. I haven't helped you if you don't have Martin Scorsese muted on Twitter, <laughs> dude, it's like, fucking ridiculous. Good Lord. Um, yeah. but like the MCU movies are executed fine. Like some of them are extremely good. Like some of them I really like, some of them are not very good. All of them are, or most of them are, are watchable, like forms of entertainment. As long as they keep that up, like the MCU is going to do fine. Right. Like they're not, there's no way like they, take a break and then they come back and then like, Oh yeah, this movie is super good, but I just don't like MCU anymore. Like that's not going to happen. No, <laughs> so. no. Like, so they, they will start coming back and people will watch it. Um, yeah. so I saw somebody Which on Twitter is- saying a thing like, Oh, like, what if we get to the point where the MCU is doing like the the ultimate MCU and we're just rebooting the Avengers and telling all the same stories. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Which well, is, it, yeah. it's, I, I, I don't know if it was me, but I was talking about that on the Slack where like the movies, I think, originally basically were the ultimates you know like when you look at how the ultimate comics came out that was so you wouldn't have to get tied down in this continuity you know but now we are in the continuity you know now that there are four uh, avengers movies 
and all these little tie-ins like it is a continuity heavy thing and they're tying in the tv show like disney came out and said like yeah the tv shows we're launching will be important to what we're doing next like you'll have a hard time following it if you're not at least cognizant of what's happening uh there so like it is kind of becoming like i think it would be silly if they rebooted it just kept rebooting the avengers like ultimates or whatever Mm -hmm. but it is something where like there's gonna be diminishing returns because it's gonna be harder to onboard onto the stuff for sure um that's all that's things that we're going to be talking about because uh if you missed the last couple of episodes me and gary are retooling days of future cast and we are going to switch to covering comic books so uh the -hmm. next episode of this podcast will go out um we will we still we have not recorded any of those yet so we don't know exactly how long they are or like how often they'll be coming out the first episode Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll probably have that figured out by then um but yeah, yeah. keep watching the feed you don't have to change anything there <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me um you can go to days of there's an episode guide and i'll have a that'll cut show that'll have links to each individual episode and like what we covered on them as far as x-men tv shows or movies or deadpool stuff or avengers stuff or whatever all of that stuff will be up there if you want to find it and then uh the rest of the stuff will be under a season two category in itunes because i can do that kind of thing and it's really easy to do so uh mm-hmm. and we'll have a basically another page on that website showing what episode of season two we'll be covering which issues of the comics so you can keep up because we keep saying new x-men like start with new x-men like it's a like it's its own thing but it actually start great morrison's run starts on like episode, issue 140 or something so like yeah, yeah yeah and then there's a later comic called new x-men that's actually about yeah like young kids and stuff so they they took that property and stuff we're talking about it's the grant morrison run it's like 114 i think yeah so it starts on um the uh and as far as what that's going to look like just trust us that we're not going to like put out 10 minutes of content every 10 weeks you know every two weeks we're going to sit down and record uh see how long the episodes are and if they're you know right now we put out about an hour and a half every two weeks um i imagine that level will be about the same Mm -hmm. it might be stretched over like a week or two or something but like we'll figure out how all of that works as we start recording yeah so you know if, if episodes are 20 20 minutes like maybe two of them will come out a week you know two or three uh, if episodes are a little bit longer than that, maybe two will come out a week. If they're really long, you know, if it's a 45 minute episode, maybe they'll come out once a week. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just see. Um, it'll depend, but it'll be roughly the same amount of stuff we put out now. But importantly, um, the RSS feed, none of that stuff is going to change. So like you'll just yeah, start, yeah, you don't have to episodes. do anything. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do is uh, listen and possibly support us at patreon.com slash TV. If you want to kick us a few dollars and get some cool benefits, like, uh, episodes early you can get them a week early mm-hmm. you can get uh, ex- uh, just a fuck ton of exclusive content from gary and cole um gary mm-hmm. and i have some stuff on that feed as well if you want to hear us talk about was it spider-man spider-man yeah yes yeah, the spider-man yeah, we video did, game we did spider-man and the dlcs yeah. um so there's there's a bunch of cool stuff there that you can go check out yeah and if uh you can join us on the slack and people in the slack have already seen our badass new podcast art but yes. you'll have to wait until next episode you will have to wait till next so. episode and um yeah uh yeah thank you for everybody for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks yeah good night good night. i assume people are listening at night I, I had this I had this conversation the other day because uh, <laughs> I said good night at the end of the podcast and I was like maybe I shouldn't like I know a lot of people listen to it first thing in the morning like is that weird like but what yeah. the fuck do you say at the end of a podcast like it's just the worst, I don't know it's the most awkward thing if you don't already have a catchphrase like fuck your mother <laughs> like I, yeah leader boners. <laughs>